welcome to the SNS ICE podcast, your go-to source for the latest news and in-depth insights into the world of 6G in Europe. Join us as we dive into industry news, analyze the latest trends, and discuss the development of the new generation of cellular networks. Rolf, how's it going? Um, how's 5G Tech Retory for you? Well, it's wonderful. First time for me in Riga, first time for me at the 5G Tech Retory. I enjoy big time. Been on the panel this morning, had a lot of interviews, discussion with customers. So it's it's just fantastic. Yeah, you know, this is my fifth year. Oh, wow. Um, I'm also a special advisor to the event and I'm a speaker as well. So um, I'm, I'm saving my panel for the second and final day and it's going to be around Open RAN and I'm looking forward to that topic. It's quite controversial, but it is. But we're, we're we're going to talk about um, the metaverse and smart cities, and I'm very familiar with Nokia. I've followed you for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a leader in a lot of these areas, and uh, but the first thing I want to talk about really is smart cities. And from my perspective, that's a that's a fairly broad topic. And smart cities can mean different things to different municipalities. So, uh, and needs will vary by geography as well. Industrialized versus less industrialized parts of the world. I'm just wondering, uh, how do you and Nokia approach the category sort of in general? And what are some of the more prominent applications and use cases you're seeing today? Right. So first of all, you, you refer to smart cities, but let me let me give you a broader perspective on metaverse as such. We see, of course, the commercial metaverse, we see the enterprise, and we see uh, definitely the industrial metaverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the commercial one is, of course, the one which is pretty much playful. You see, uh, of course, avatars, you can like buy Sim land. City, the video Sim game. City, you have all that. You get uh, the drop of a sneaker, you can have the same sneaker, you know, in real life. And, and you find yourself in a, in a mix of, you know, how to buy things in the metaverse, NFT-wise, for example, and then you it in real so interesting business models coming up i think that brings a big push into it we see ourselves of course supporting this kind of metaverse with the great networks uh, and the equipment we have and the software behind we think about 5g 6g going forward so that's something we have in mind then there is this second kind of metaverse that's around the enterprises where the enterprises need to you know get processes better the more it based enterprise like digital twin right digital twin um that comes in the next uh, one but actually it's interesting uh, that you mentioned digital twin because it goes across these three metaverses that we see okay so digital twin you could have of course your sneaker as a digital twin whilst you have for example digital twin for the sake of um your travel management uh, the way you run your expense management uh, it based um the way you run machines in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about predictive maintenance, I talk about remote maintenance, and that leads me into the industrial metaverse. Okay. The industrial metaverse is the one where I would say it's a little bit like Industry 4.0 on uh, steroids, if you will, because it's much broader, much bigger. Yeah. It's it, it can have you being remotely managing a machine where you don't even have to travel of course you are the avatar in the machine take a big aircraft for example which of course you can then maintain and change without having the need to go there and be in the situation because you touch a certain piece of that engine and then you see the instructions right away turn right. left turn it right mm-hmm. Ro- a robot on site can do what you do in the metaverse sure. again you need a perfect network you do connect all latency no nothing big bandwidth and all of that so right this is something we see as a metaverse 
coming now to the smart city idea, right. bring a bring the whole city into being a digital twin. And the whole city then can be composed, of course, of a lot of services you see in that city, whether it's the traffic, whether it's, you know, public services you need, if you have to apply for a new, you know, permission for your for your car, lots of things, registration services on healthcare, education. So we see a lot of applications mm -hmm. which will be run in an immersive, you know, appearance and reality where you combine the physical world with, of course, the virtual one. Sure. Having only the virtual one, I think that will not happen. Having a mix of it, yes, that's what's going to happen. Right. The, aug the augmented reality perspective. Augmented. And of course, the question will always be which device you're going to use in the whole exercise. Right. So we have today the 5G, which is, of course, based on the fact that we're able to connect sensors, much more industrialized things we can do. Right. But going forward in the 6G world, we consider... The 6G network, which is sense, think, and act. That's mm -hmm. how Nokia is seeing it. Okay. And sensing, thinking, and acting uh, a network means there's a certain level of automation when sure. it comes to objects or humans maneuvering and moving into the network mm -hmm. without having a device with you. Right. So you could have probably in the future a sensor with you. You could have a device being attached to you whatsoever. But ideally, yeah. the network doesn't need to have that device and can, you know, sense, think and act based on objects or subjects sure. that run or move around in the network. And that's something we foresee in the future, 2030 onwards. Right. No, it's exciting. And you touch on the devices, right? There's going to be a whole class of devices and 5G reduced capacity or red cap. We'll start seeing sensors and clothing and that sort of thing. And so to your point, we won't have to carry around necessarily a traditional smartphone or wear really bulky goggles. I mean, Google had the Google Glass concept, hit or miss, you know, uh, based, on, based on history. But but what's exciting are like, you know, these new classes of devices that use like OLED screens that can roll up and and do things like in the movies, like Minority Report. Yeah, yeah, of course, like and I'm, I'm a science fiction geek, so I had, to, <laughs> I, had to, I had to add that one. But, you know, and you, you touched on the importance of connectivity because connectivity, um, it's, it's the connective tissue that makes all of this work. Correct. And today, operators are still in the process of deploying 5G. There's this, I call, in-between stage with non-standalone and standalone. Uh, we'll look back at this and determine whether 3GPP uh, made the right decision to do that. So things have been somewhat delayed, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I'd love to get your perspective on um, what aspects, as we get to standalone, where we marry the RAN, the 5G RAN, the 5G core, that unlocks the true promise of 5G and then eventually 6G, what are some of the things that that, that can do to unlock the use cases that you just spoke to and, and future use cases that we haven't even thought about yet. No, it's it's indeed maybe uh, maybe that's the thing. Uh, when when we look into five G today, uh, a lot of situations uh, the, the the customers are in, and of course you know the carriers are in, is the the sheer fact that five G is used to offload four G sure. on 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 voice and on data. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, of course, doesn't create the possibility, you know, to, to fully, fully exploit the, the 5G network. So unfortunately, that may lead to, let's say, some hesitation in investing in new technology because a few of, uh, you know, the carriers and uh, service providers may say, well, I first have to monetize 
what I've seen, what I have invested into 5G. Sure. Thinking about 6G is one thing, but only if we get um, all of these applications up and running and have the demand on the market side, then of course there's a need for carriers to you know invest into the next generation of network technology. And and here's a here's a hand and egg problem. Right. So demand and pull uh, the way. 5G has been pushed into the markets was, of course, based on of all of the auctions that have been going on. Right. So if if there were would have been no auctions and no no obligations to install it, well, then probably we wouldn't have all these 5G networks on mm -hmm. the place because in a lot of cases we are not using um, 5G to the extent of what it can do. Right. It's, it's still on a on a sometimes on a very simple level of, uh, you know, offloading uh, data and, and voice from, from congested networks sure. of the past. So what can we do in order to, uh, to make it happen? Well, there need to be, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great supporter of, of startups. Right. I think there need to be much more innovation coming around. Startups which can, you know, um, form which can shape the future of communication much more. Mm -hmm. And that being combined with the power of coming hopefully from the Silicon Valley, but also in Europe, we have a lot of nice startup hubs right. where things are developed and we need these innovators uh, who can turn around completely an industry. And mm -hmm. uh, I have a vision of, you know, the way we've seen this um, electrical car change um, from an entrepreneur called Elon Musk, we all know. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, we need in other places as well, especially on the communication side. We saw this disruption with the iPhone sure. like 15 years ago, more mm -hmm. or less, 10, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. when everybody said, well, if I don't have an iPhone, I cannot communicate. I cannot, you know, organize my life, if you will. And that coming along with all the OTT and uh, with all the, you know, um, social media we have on top of it, yeah. we need that next wave of innovation for sure to then, um, yeah, create the need for for 5G to use as 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 a whole yeah. and 6G then to come around. All the ideas exist, and I will never forget. I mean, it was maybe. 25 or 30 years ago when we already spoke about location-based services mm -hmm. but tell me one person who thought there will be a google street view possible because cars are running across the globe right. and take you know pictures and videos of every single street that exists right i could have not thought about it sure we need the next disruption of something happening which is similar right to create such a such a need and demand for for the next generation of our networks and i'm 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 very open to you yeah i have the metaverse in front of me right i know what it can do but we still need the additional let's say killer applications and all of that uh, right. to, to to pull it in and and to get into the next stage of uh, of network infrastructure, I, you know, I couldn't agree with you further. You know, when when we look at the prior G's, two G, three G, four G, it was really about access and unlimited data plans, and that that was a global phenomenon. And you touched on it. The OTT saw that they came in, they did the over the top development to to develop the next generation applications like ride sharing, right? That, you know that we enjoy today. Yeah. And at the end of the day, mobile network operators invest billions of dollars, billions of euros in building out these next generation networks, and they have to monetize them. Correct. So this is a great segue to the third thing I want to talk to you about, 
and it, get, it gets back to the developer community. There's a lot of focus on how to make mobile networks more programmable, to open APIs, to, to accelerate developer efforts, make it easier for developers to develop these next generation applications. So I'd love to understand from Nokia's perspective, what are you doing to invest in just network programmability and also the metaverse to, to accelerate that developer journey? We are we are very open, especially in the vision of uh, you know networks in this twenty thirty time frame uh, mm. to to discuss with our service provider customers in how far they see um, you know in the ecosystem that needs to develop um, with the with the developers and the you know programming skills and capabilities that need to come behind because having open APIs having the possibility to develop applications which you probably don't know about yet yeah um that's all needed um we will we we are working on it and we already have that idea of network platform as a service mm -hmm. yeah, of course you can connect the dots and, and and bring along the applications that's going to be all based on open apis and a sure. developer network which is enriching the possibilities right because today i mean you and me sit here we have great ideas but yeah. we need people to program them. i'm not a developer i can yeah. think the ideas uh, yeah. of course i could always talk about what needs to be translated into code right. i cannot code but i need the people to code it right and without it uh, i think we will never end up in a in a much more enriched and in, in, a, in a metaverse friendly environment right uh, that's needed for yeah sure. i know i agree yeah, i think labs and proof of concept you know test beds and sandboxes can can play a big part in that and i've you know i've traveled around the world i've spent time with at&t uh, in multiple locations, including Israel. And, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to that part of the world right now as they're, they're dealing with that conflict. But um, I've also spent time with Vodafone here in Europe, T-Mobile and Verizon in the United States. And, and what they do in partnership with, with infrastructure providers like Nokia to create these test beds, right? Correct. To provide developers the sandboxes that they need. Correct. And so I think that needs to continue. And and even, you know, private public partnerships like Peachtree Corners in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I, I visited their facility last year. T-Mobile uh, is involved in that. I believe Nokia is involved in that as well. And and they're they're doing like real world, it's a real world test bed where they're, they're doing autonomy with vehicles. They're using um, computer vision and cameras for smart traffic management. Those are the sort of things that we need to see. And I'm wondering like, um, I know Nokia, you know, labs, I mean, there's a huge effort there. Can you share any perspective on what that organization is focused on? First of all, let me uh, come back to your Israel uh, um, topic because yeah. um, I've, been, um, I've been visiting a few times Israel and, you know, the way is Silicon Valley and we have, you know, Silicon Valley Valley, it's, it's, uh, it's something which uh, has been fascinating uh, to me because the way they do run startups is um, a little bit different from the whole world mm -hmm. uh, because they think about the problem first which for example a large corporation cannot solve um, establish the startup solve the problem and sell it to the company mm -hmm. to whom you know or where they've seen the problem sure which is uh, much of a different way of you know you have an idea and bring up the company and MVP then you sell it yeah. somewhere you have <laughs> mvp and all, and all of that and I like it a lot because it could be leading us into a situation where, you know, in the past I've seen uh, traffic security, traffic signaling, um, 
the way you run, uh, you know, the whole traffic organization in a perfect fashion. I, I seen that in Tel Aviv from a startup, which has then been bought by uh, OEM in the automotive world, for example, because they saw the problem. Right. That's, I think that's a very, very, um, let's say, uh, excellent way in, in, in doing a startup business. Mm -hmm. Coming back now to your question, when you, when you elaborated, of, of course, about, um, you know, the way um, what, what we do in Nokia um, with, with the example of, uh, um, of, of Peachtree Corners, um, we have there um, something which is called an autonomous shuttle right. um, also in, uh, in, in Nokia. Um, in our headquarters, we are supporting um, in, in, in Espoo in, in Finland, something which is called the 5G Lux Turim project. Okay. Um, that's where we created a smart infrastructure with an automated shuttle service. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, based on an app, uh, you see a lot of automation, um, autonomous uh, uh, buses mm -hmm. and, and all of that. So we are right in the middle of all these uh, developments. And, uh, and, and it's, of course, interesting to see that, you know, going forward, when it comes to smart cities, the way we can bring it uh, to other places. And uh, you could visit it anytime. Uh, you're yeah. always invited uh, to see that project in, uh, in our headquarters in, yeah. in Finland. I would love to do that. Um, it's been three or four years since I actually visited headquarters. Okay. Okay. Uh, for an analyst summit. So I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that, uh, that offer. But um, it's been a great conversation, but I guess as we kind of close things out, um, I think communication service providers, they, they, they often need some, some help with their journey, right? Right. Um, you know, one of the challenges is moving from this focus on access and just unlimited data plans to delivering true value through disruptive applications that leverage 5G and eventually 6G. So what would be some of your recommendations for CSPs? to focus on and invest in to enable, you know, they're taking advantage of things that we've talked about today, like smart city and the metaverse. I think it's one of the most difficult questions I heard this today, if you will, because it's oh, one well, of like, no, Give myself an offer. You can get a gold star big time because <laughs> at the end you could solve a problem for the whole industry. Sure. What you refer to is monetization of the 5G network and of course thinking about gaining some money to invest the 6G investment. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the most difficult question you can have. To be truthful to you, CSPs need to find their way in monetizing 5G, 6G going forward by finding applications, services where our custom, our end customers would like to pay for and would like to pay for an extra, a mm -hmm. premium, which goes beyond, you know, the inflation we have right now. Well, Unfortunately, they all sit on 12 and 24 months of contracts, sure. unlike what you have in T-Mobile US once in a while where you get very fast, you know, a new phone and there's no, you know, limitation. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's much different in what I have um, with my customers in Europe. In Europe yeah. So finding a way for them to pay an extra, which is, of course, bundling. Mm -hmm. We see bundling as a chance, uh, of course, television over the phone. Right. Maybe we see an additional way of, you know, paying an extra premium with the Olympic Games next year in, in, in Paris in 24, 
we have the the, the Euro uh, football uh, soccer in, uh, in 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 Germany next year. Right. So that's maybe something you could develop services all around. But that's only being a, a small part of it. Right. So enhancing the user experience and uh, you know getting um, a tariff plan which will make the CSPs earn much more money. I think that's you know very very difficult and if i had the holy grail and the yeah. solution i'd love to talk about it because my customers will be much more profitable they can you know invest in 6g and everybody would be happy yeah it's like i said it's one of the most difficult questions it's a journey right you know it's not an overnight thing and i think you know and just to kind of kind of conclude um kind of my thought on this topic with 5g um brings the opportunity for network slicing and that was sort of a promise with LTE, but the standard didn't really support it well. But, you know, 5G is an inherently more virtualized network standard. And network slicing, I mean, you need to be able to, to monetize, you know, a slice of the, a virtual slice of the network and steer latency, throughput, device support to a specific workload or an application. I think in my mind could be a, a first start. It's a game changer. Well, For me, it's a game changer because we have all these discussions around private wireless uh, getting on or not getting on it's it's a it's it's not something which is easy to sell sure um uh, nokia is uh, very successful in selling private wireless and campus solutions uh, around critical infrastructure you were one of the first to get into that correct right? correct we do have of course the possibility to uh, to support logistics transport railway mm -hmm. um, things in motion things yeah things in motion where we see the need for uh, supporting a critical infrastructure also with the appropriate level of security. What you refer to when it comes to slicing is something where I could, of course, imagine um, the industrial metaverse mm -hmm. being sliced out from, you know, a factory or a campus, which would create then kind of a virtual private mobile network mm -hmm. over a factory. Um, that still has a certain level of, let's say, technological limitations for now. Sure. I think we are almost there yeah. and we can provide it. That would bring an additional um, uh, possibility for gaining some money for the service providers mm -hmm. based on the 5G already, mm -hmm. on 6G anyway. And I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know a similar discussion we used to have 10, 15 years back sure. uh, around the cloud. Right. The cloud was, you know, always private, private. We had right. a discussion around that. Then everybody said, well, the public cloud is not a problem. We can provide you the same uh, quality of service. Then you had a long time, the hybrid cloud discussion yep. as such. And I think we're going into the same direction. Now we have sovereign cloud discussions. Discussion. Yeah, 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 exactly. Multi-cloud discussions. Yeah. And you, when you do all this disaggregation, it also introduces complexity as well, right? right? So right. the network has to keep up with that. So, so the mobile networks I see in in a, in a similar stage as what we've seen uh, some time ago uh, around the cloud uh, most important is uh, two things uh, security level sure. and of course um the quality of service which you can provide with the slice sure uh, once this is fixed you know the csps can earn additional money yeah so that's definitely a possibility yeah well it's a journey so for sure. Ralph, it was great chatting. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Um, enjoy the rest of the show. I will. And, uh, have a great day. Thank you so much. You as well. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
This podcast is brought to you by SMS ICE, an EU-backed project focused on creating a collaborative environment for the development and deployment of 6G smart networks and services. The project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon Europe Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number 10109584.